You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, November 1st, no longer spooktober, we are in November. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like baseball, FYI, Friars on Base, or most importantly, Just Baseball, a great website where I am a staff writer. Although I haven't written in a little bit, but I'll get back to that soon. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, um, yeah. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, guys, at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres for the Twitter account for the show. If you saw me just now, I was pointing to my name. If you saw me, that means you're watching the YouTube. If you guys want to, you can check out me and my old ugly mug and whatever shirt I'm wearing. I'm usually wearing something different. Flynn's Arcade. Uh, is what I'm wearing today for all of my Tron fans out there. I just really like this shirt, although it's a little, I need to get another one. It's a little bit faded out for people who are watching the YouTube. It's a little faded out. But anyway, um, you can check me out on there for all my audio listeners. A link to that is in the description. We just passed 100 subscribers. That was awesome. We are 106 exactly after I put out a tweet and everything that happened with Friday with Bob Melvin. Um, on today's episode, guys, uh, firstly, before we get into that, I want to just mention um, we're going to be doing something new today. And I think it's going to be fun. It's a Locked On Insider clip. We, this is a new whole thing for the, the Locked On Network where we have new insiders who are going to give their, their thoughts on stuff, former players and, um, and what have you. Gordon Beckham and Danielle Bruce are going to be on that for the first segment. I'm not going to, for future episodes, every single time do the full segment. I might just take out a clip. But this time, I felt like, let me just do that uh, to, for the first full segment, a recap of Game 5 and their thoughts on it. because. I I also did my own takes on the game, but the Braves and the controversy started uh, blowing up a little bit more on Thursday and Friday, at least in my opinion, from the piece from Jeff Passan, which everybody knows what we're probably going to be talking about, which is the Tomahawk Chop. Just giving my thoughts on that um, a little bit. Uh, and also, thanks once again for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag. We are free and available on all platforms. So I'm going to play that video and then react to it a little bit. I think it should be pretty fun. First segment, guys. Here we are, the debut on Lockdown. Padres, Lockdown Insider. Here's Danielle Bruce and Gordon Beckham. What's up, everybody? This is another Lockdown MLB Insider Report with some instant reaction after Game 5 of the World Series here with Lockdown MLB Insider Gordon Beckham. I'm Daniela Bruce. Gordon, let's get right into this. It was a game that definitely didn't lack action and Houston went down for nothing early in the game with a Braves grand slam in the first inning and that had to be I don't it, maybe deflating's not the right word but it had to do something to their mentality right there at the beginning of the game the crowd was so into it what does that say about the mental toughness of Houston to be able to climb right back into this game yeah, I mean, when you see the like what happened in the first, it was kind of like, mm -hmm. wow. I mean, this game, this series might be over right now. I mean, yeah. um, and then one one thing I was thinking about when it was happening is the one thing it does do for the Houston offense is instead of playing scared, they had to come out and score mm -hmm. runs. So it almost kind of flipped a switch in my mind with them. It's like, okay, we can't just try to skate by and and get a couple hits and find a way to win a game. It's like we're gonna have to slug our way out of this. And you almost saw the mentality change like immediately 
they knew if they didn't go out and start swinging the aggressive, then they're not going to win this series. It's going to be over. Um, and the World Series is going uh, to the Atlanta Braves. So I, I kind of sense the switch um, on, you know, on the, the mindset of the Houston batters. Like we can't just like, you know, play these nail biter games. We're going to have to go get this one and really have to score some runs. And they did. I mean, it was a uh, uh, really good job by them not getting down, just continuing to uh, stick with their plan and uh, continue to just take it to the Braves. I thought their bats were a lot better um, today than they've been the whole series. I mean, their offense has been kind of quiet all series. And uh, today it looked like, you know, they, they lit a fire. I mean, that, that grand slam kind of lit a fire under Houston because um, if, if, if they come out and they're like, oh, you know, like they had a grand slam, it's over. I mean, they're definitely not doing what they did. So I think that just the mentality changed for them. They, they went from basically sitting uh, on the sidelines, like how do we scrape uh, a run or two to, hey, we've got to go score a lot of runs. Let's get aggressive and let's do it. And they did. And Dusty Baker making some changes to the lineup, which is bold in this scenario, an elimination game. Um, how Obviously, it worked, right? So what did you see that actually helped Houston in this scenario? Well, I mean, you, they moved Bregman down. And, you know, it, yeah. I, I hear you when you say you're, it was bold, but at the same time, it's like they hadn't been really swinging the bats well. So, like, the only option is, like, okay, are we going to just continue doing what we're doing? You know, definition of insanity, everybody knows it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why they switched it up. I think it was a good move. And you had Correa hitting third and then Gurriel hitting fifth, which is kind of normal um, uh, for Gurriel. But Correa moved up in the order. He had a good night. Um, and then Bregman moved down to seventh. I mean, it was the lowest he's hit since 2017, I believe. Um, so uh, I, I think that what it showed is that Dusty's not not afraid to make a decision um, that's going to help his ball club. And and Bregman uh, did well down there. I think obviously he's going to be grinding on his swing. I mean, he hasn't had as many swings this year as he has in years past. Um, so he's trying to find it right now. And World Series is just tough to find because you're facing great pitching and um, but he got through. He got a double today, and uh, and and started to move in the right direction. Um, you know, Alvarez is the one that's just really struggling in this postseason. And for Houston to win the series, he needs to get hot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I was just going to mention too, the Braves organist playing free fall in there at one point throughout the game didn't work. Probably shouldn't go back to that. Yeah, they shouldn't. If they they went to that chance. <laughs> that's right. It's the first time the Braves have lost a, a postseason right. game, uh, you know, here in Truist Park this this uh, postseason. So uh, the organist uh, has been known to do stuff like that. Um, so uh, it backfired. You heard it here. I'm blaming the organist. That's All right. right. Okay. <laughs> Carlos Correa, you mentioned he had a good night. Maldonado also showed up in this game and he had been struggling offensively just how big are those individual performances i mean we're in the world series right but in elimination games like that yeah correa is doing what he does right he's a really good athlete and he's a great player and and he he kind of showed up tonight in a big spot to give his team a lift but the bigger the bigger impact is maldonado because maldonado is not hitting he's not known for his hitting he's uh anything that he does is considered a bonus what he does is de defense is his is calling that's all he uh is really on the field for is to really manage the staff and throw guys out um behind the plate so for him to do something offensively really shows that like I, that's something they didn't expect so for him to have three rbis uh amazing performance in a, in a clutch game he's beloved by his teammates i mean they talk about it a lot so um i think it was a, a huge lift and it took some pressure off the guys that are 
generally supposed to be the guys driving in all the runs. I mean, without Maldonado tonight, it's a one-run game, and you've seen what the Braves have done in close games. So game six will take place on Tuesday in Houston. Tomorrow will be a travel day. Tomorrow, Monday, um, will be a travel day. So an off day. Who does that benefit, Gordon? I don't think it necessarily benefits anybody at this point. I mean, I know uh, nobody really wants to take off days at this point. I mean, this is we're two two games away from deciding the the champion, the World Series champion, and uh, I don't think either team. I think they'd rather go to Houston tonight and play tomorrow. I mean, that's honestly how I feel. But you know, it's the World Series; you get an off day. I think that it's probably good for the Braves because. Uh, Houston's offense got kind of hot tonight, you know, give them a day off. Maybe there's a little bit of rust coming off that day off on Tuesday, but uh, it's definitely not good for Houston because they got it. They, they got rolling and now all of a sudden they got to, you know, they got to sit at home tomorrow and just work out or whatever at the field. So uh, I would say it benefits the Braves um, because they're, they've shown that they can come back after a loss and have a good, you know, a big game. So, uh, we'll see what happens, but I mean, Houston's been really tough at home um, throughout the, the regular season and the postseason. So we'll we'll see what happens, but uh, it's it's anybody's ball game uh, moving forward. If it was Houston's choice, they'd probably want to fly back and play the game right now in just a few hours. That's so right. That, uh, yeah, I can I can understand not wanting that off day. But um, so pitching matchup, what do you think we're going to see for Game Six? Well, you're going to get Max Free for the Braves. I mean, he's there. He's been their ace all year. He really didn't pitch well the last time he was out there, but he did give his team five innings um, of of good baseball to basically save the bullpen. So he's going to be rested and ready to go. I would expect that he would do better um, than he did the last time. And then you're probably going to get Luis Garcia. I don't know if you're watching the game um, afterwards. Uh, you watching at home, but uh, Dusty Baker said that they were thinking about going Urquidy, but since he went into the game, they're going to go for Garcia, it looks like, on short rest. Three days rest, young pitcher. Um, he can probably bounce back better than most, but he is a young pitcher, and uh, it'll be kind of uh, uncharted waters for him. So interesting matchup to see. I mean, the Braves would have the edge in terms of the starting pitching, but uh, his game, I mean, and Houston's playing at home, and I'm sure um, – Minute Maid Park is going to be, you know, really, really loud on come Tuesday. So, like you said, anybody's game this series has been very hard to predict, at least for me. I, I can't seem to grab, uh, get a grasp on it. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But do you have any predictions for these last two games? How do you think this series is going to end? I, I thought I kind of thought it was going to end tonight. I mean, it just looked yeah. seemed like the Braves had all the momentum in the world, and they hit that grand slam, and it's like, okay, this is their this is their year. And then the Houston does does what they do. They hit. They they uh, they threw well. I mean, the bullpen was lights out when they came in. So um, pitched a lot lot tonight. And I I still think that the Braves are just a team that's they're a team of destiny. I don't know. It's just they they've been playing really well. Um, they find a way to bounce back. I just get the sense that they're going to win. I don't know if it's going to be Game Six or Game Seven, but I just can't see them losing three in a row. All right, everybody. Well, we will have more on this series coming later this week as the teams travel back to Houston to decide on a champion. And for everything you need to know leading up to that, make sure you follow both teams Locked on Astros and Locked on Braves. For Locked on MLB Insider Reports, this has been Gordon Beckham and Daniela Bruce. Locked on your team every day.
sorry for that little Pacers logo there, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that little shout out from uh, Daniel Bruce and Gordon Beckham. Before we react to that and some other things that I want to talk about regarding the Braves and their whole chop thing. Uh, first, let me talk to you guys about something real, real good. You know what I mean? You know, you know, you know when you want just a simple way to view all the entertainment you love, but without all the hassle? Just all in one place? Well, DirecTV Stream, they are here for you. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch, well, all your favorites, your sports movies, your movies, your sports, everything in between, all your shows, all in one place. And the best part is that there's no annual contract, so stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Remember, that is DirecTV Stream at DirecTV.com. Be sure to check that out. Once again, guys, I want to thank you all for making Locked On Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now, let's react a little bit. My thoughts on the game and whatnot and what uh, Gordon had to say. Look, I want to say this. Not going to do proud for the future of this podcast. I said at the beginning, uh, full segments every time for the Lockdown Insiders, but they split them up into like little groups and stuff like that. And I thought it was really interesting all the whole thing about the day off and stuff like that, who it benefits. I thought that one thing I will say is that I think you guys have have known that I'm I've been a little bit open about just not having this giant hatred for the Houston Astros anymore. I'm just a little bit over it. And I think another point about that to make is. Uh, and, and I've seen it too. Like I've seen the fervent, fervent hatred. My mom hates them. For example, my mom is rooting for them, actively rooting against them. I should say, and she's rooting for the Braves. I'm not actively rooting against the Braves. I'm not strongly in favor of the Astros. I'm kind of like, yeah, I want them to win a little bit. That'd be that'd be kind of fun. At least extends the series, even if it's worse for me. And I just want the damn season to be over with. If we're being perfectly honest with, um, right now, but I have to admit that it's everyone keeps saying, you know, say things like, yeah. Well, the players, they, this shows that this really was an egregious sign of cheating because the players are reacting. So, you know, acting, this is the most hanging I've ever done. And my thing is like, well, players have reacted in certain ways to cheating in other games before a strong, stern stance. And it turns out they were doing the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So, like, David Ortiz, shout out everybody's favorite announcer lately. You know, he was the one that said, bend them for the whole year. Or if you get caught with PEDs. Meanwhile, he got caught with them once or twice. It, it, there was, uh, he said, I don't know where this came from. And then he vanished that he is, he said, I'll get back to you when I hear about where this came from. And then no one knows. <laughs> and then he didn't come back. So you have stuff like that. You have Ryan Braun who looks so firm. So I'm just saying, it's not like going by players' feelings on a thing. And just because they feel really strongly is necessarily indicative of like, yeah, they're saying that because they know that they're innocent and they would never do that. You know what I mean? So I'm just saying that I'm not saying other teams are necessarily cheating. I'm just saying, would it surprise you if they were? I don't know. I'm rambling a little bit too much. I want to talk about what I really want to uh, mention, which is a little bit of an important topic. I imagine a lot of you, this is not necessarily Padres related. I mean, neither is the World Series, but it is the World Series. Um, but I want to talk about that really quickly, which is the the, the Bray, you know, Tom Hawk chop. Um, and this became a little bit more of a discourse on baseball Twitter on Friday and Thursday and what have you. One, because it was being shown at the game. It's, it's, it's a constant thing that they do at the Braves games, uh, which is, you know, that's a whole thing, a whole nother thing about fandom and how fans act at games. It's a whole nother can of worms to open. But, you know, Jeff Passan over at ESPN wrote an article about it and I read it and I thought that he made a lot of good points. It was clearly researched and he clearly put some effort into it. He didn't just do a rambling thing, which is what I sometimes do on this podcast or my articles or whatever, where I just kind of ramble. And I don't necessarily 
have the contacts that he does talking with different nations and stuff like that of native tribes and kind of being like, well, there's a lot of people who find this offensive. Um, I think that in general, it is a very sticky situation when it comes to naming anything and doing anything after native American tribes in sports. Um, I know that not all of them are necessarily, it's not as easy to group all of them in the same boat, i.e. it's not easy to name, you know, the former Washington team, what they were known by, uh, you know, and then the Cleveland, like the chief Wahoo and the smiling in it. Like there's, there might be different layers and there's different like kind of areas of discourse around them uh, for which means worse, which doesn't mean as bad, whatever. But I, my bigger thing that annoyed me and, you know, th there was a couple of people on my timeline that I saw do this where people are like, well, what about the Dodgers? You know? And I think that, and I'm not saying that I'm innocent of whataboutism, which is a classic strategy. It works. Anyone who's familiar with politics, it happens all the time. You know what I mean? You say, whenever someone criticizes you for something, you say, well, what about what they're doing? You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's hard because it, it isn't necessarily always done in a calculating, conniving fashion where people are with whatever they're getting accused of if they just blame someone else for what they're doing. I think that sometimes we naturally are like, Hey, what the heck, man? Like, that's not fair. You can't just attack me when there's other stuff on the board that this person is doing, right? So I do think that that's a, 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 a not always bad thing, but it can be a little bit of a lazy kind of deflection uh, with issues, at least in my opinion. Um, and I, I saw this and I saw a lot of people tuning things like there, there's two tame frames of mine. One which was like ESPN's just doing this for clicks. My response to that is, first of all, welcome to the internet. Uh, second of all, welcome to life. And third of all, just welcome to how... No, this is the same thing as the first two things, but just this is how things work. And my thing is, I've noticed a lot of people who say that uh, tend to be white. They tend to be people who are like, okay, I I only hate, I only do the, the clickbait things and criticize clickbait when it has to do with these sort of areas of potentially racist, racially insensitive, and, you know, in this case, Native Americans, like minority groups, historically disenfranchised people, that that's when I start saying they're just doing it for clicks. It's like, God forbid, maybe people are just trying to start a discussion. You know what I mean? They're always crit criticizing people saying, well, you don't talk about the important issues. Well, here's someone trying to do that. So I saw that point, and I think that point is total nonsense. I think that that's ridiculous, and it's this is the only thing they're talking about because they're in the World Series now. Well, yeah. I mean, World Series is the biggest stage, is it not? This is a big story. Um, I don't think it's the only story, but it is. I hate to break it to you guys. It is. Um, and the other point that I saw was like, well, the Dodgers, you know, meanwhile, they – are having a sexual assault allegation and they're they're covering it up and all this stuff. Look at what the Dodgers are doing. Look at the Dodgers are doing. The classic whataboutism thing, right? And my response to that is yes, I really I have talked about on this podcast that I was very frustrated at the Max Scherzer acquisition. Thankfully the Dodgers lost, but my response was kind of like the same team that brought in Trevor Bauer for the largest AAV average annual salary like we've ever seen for $40 million a year when there was also allegations of him doing stuff in 2019 in another state like and so it's like do you really think the Dodgers didn't know that so that's a whole nother thing to bring in and instead it's like you know Molly Knight who I love um writing on her her newsletter which I recommend everyone subscribing to kind of describing as a mercy killing that like they were just so tired from playing the Giants it's like oh give me a break you know what I mean the reason you're so tired is because you signed a pitcher who you knew was probably bad news because you got so scared by other teams that were making big moves like the Padres for example and then you settled on evil. Now, I'm not saying the Dodgers are the first team to ever sign people who have a questionable background in order to do better in sports. That is naive as hell to think. But I will say, yeah, that is a, good, a point where it's like, well, why aren't they talking about the Dodgers thing? Here's where that falls apart, in my opinion. Uh, the Dodgers are out. 
The Dodgers are out of the World Series right now. The Braves are in the World Series. They're the relevant team. And since they're showing their tomahawk chop every five seconds, that deserves to be talked about. This news, I hate to break to. And also, people did report on the Dodgers thing. People also reported on the 29th. They did. It's an ongoing investigation. There does come a point where you can't just rehash and keep talking about a story over and over and over again. So this is how I feel until, and I imagine, by the way, we're going to get more on this Trevor Bauer situation. We're going to see more because there's all this, this contract stuff, what happens. The big thing is I think it's going to happen in the off season when we start figuring out whether or not he's going to pitch next year. I, for one, don't think he will. I think that he burned a bunch of bridges and he was kind of a really antagonistic personality in a lot of ways. So I actually think that he's not going to come back. Um, he might, I think he'll come back at some point because I do not have faith in our culture at large in general, but definitely in sports where, uh, people who are, you know, in these the, these horrible people that are able to come back um, when it comes to certain things. You can cheat. You can do that. That's for some reason viewed some ways uh, worse than, you know, assaulting women and stuff like that. So that's that's how I view it. I think Trevor Bauer will be back in the main. But I would be surprised. I don't think it's happening for the Dodgers. Certainly, they're going to try and get out of this as much as they can. But when it comes to covering it up, when it comes to whataboutism, Try your best not to do what about them, even if it is tempting to do, because it is naturally does have some instinctive. Um, it makes sense to do that. But my response is also this is an important issue. And I find the tomahawk chop something that I just don't like that when people respond like you're just being sensitive. It's like, hey, man, like that's not your culture. You know what I mean? Like that's not you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, at least let's stop with the reactions of fervor. Let's at least react with. Well, here's why I think this or whatever. The reactions of fervor and being so disgusted that maybe native people don't like you doing this chop thing. Like, like at least look at that and be like, okay, let me look into this. And I think we have to stop having this, this feeling of we can't do anything anymore. You still can. You can do a lot of things. Just, just try and keep it always about you. Not everybody's attacking you and saying you're a piece of crap for doing something. I think it's more that you're a piece of crap for not even bothering to listen to other people, especially historically disenfranchised groups. But in an effort to make sure that this podcast doesn't get overtly political, don't worry. This is probably going to be the last political thing unless something else blows up of the next uh, week. Because hey, bottom line, though, guys, is I believe everything's politics and it deserves to be talked about. But in this case, I thought that with the World Series, it was relevant. Shouts to Danielle Bruce and Gordon Beckham. That was a lot of fun to listen to as I was typing on my phone a bunch of emails and also listening at the same time. But before we get into our last segment of the podcast, which is Padres related, don't you worry. It is great. It's great. All right. It's great. Let me talk to you guys about the best protein bars in all the land. First of all, though, first of all, forget that part. I love Thanksgiving. We're in November now. No more Halloween. All the good food and treats. But maybe you want a yummy dessert but isn't so full of calories and sugar. And that's where the best protein bars of all the land come in, guys. It's the perfect time for built Bars. It's the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut built Bar or go for a raspberry built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie, guys. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% chocolate. They're so good. I mean, I love the amount of flavors that they have from, you know, Rocky Road to Grasshopper Cookie. They have Blueberry Muffin. They have, you know, Cherry Barcia, my mom's, uh, Mama Reyes's favorite flair, uh, flavor. Really good stuff, guys. There's nothing like a built Bar Black Friday. 
Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com, though, for now and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Remember, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, guys. Woo! All right, last segment. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about the four warlock, Mr. Tommy Pham. So I actually have a couple things. First of all, I actually saw on Padre's Twitter people complaining about some of his posts recently. One of them was just super cringe, and it was it was via Instagram. One of them was super cringe, which is him being like, it was some story of a guy with a suit and a tie and then being like only 14% over six feet, only 10% six figures or more. And this is without adjusting for age, marital status, or preference. Ladies, what makes you think you get such a rare man all to yourself? In quotes, why do you get a 006 all to yourself? This type of dumb, like kind of women hating thing. And it's like, man, like, yeah, famously women are the ones that are... (laughs) being attacked here they're the ones that have it real like they're the ones that don't have it rough yeah the, the guys definitely don't. i'm not saying guys though i am a guy we have we have some things too it's like all right so it was a lot of cringe stuff then there was a post about like you know hispanic people getting back to the country over biden stuff and look i will say one thing that i want to say on this i don't want to dive too deep into the politics of this because i just did that last segment i want to say though that I think people I've noticed, and let me be very clear, I am very liberal. I don't think anybody should be surprised by this if you follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm very liberal. Um, But like, first of all, it's just, you got to be careful with this whole, because I've noticed a lot of people on on Padres Twitter don't like a lot of the, the conservative stuff of the team and that there's a lot of people. That's my thing, though, is breaking news, guys. The Padres and almost everybody on their team, it's a lot of conservative uh, minded people on their team. And I'm a super liberal. I think they're wrong. But guess what? It does come to a point where you can't start necessarily begging for teams to have players cut and whatnot for their politics. Uh, May Machado is ultra conservative. So for all my, I mean, just based on what I see and what I hear, you know, just look at who he follows on Instagram. Um, like I, that doesn't mean you get to start saying like, oh, I don't like his politics. So we got to kick him off the team. You know what I mean? Guess what? I don't like his politics either. I don't. That's just, I don't I'm not a conservative, but like, that's just, I don't see people saying that about Manny Machado. So don't use the, I also hate their politics, not what they actually do. That's different. For example, when they actually do something that is really extreme in the case of someone like Trevor Bauer, that's different. I don't count that as politics. That's a real reason to be like, I want this guy off the team. But if say someone follows, you know, Fox News or what have you, or they follow MSNBC, they follow, you know, Tucker Carlson, or they follow Rachel Maddow, don't use that as your reason because you don't like the bad player on your team for another reason to kick said player off. So I'm just saying, everybody stop being surprised by the Padres' kind of political makeup and what have you. Um, but when in regards to Tommy Pham, I don't think the Padres should resign him. And it doesn't have to do with anything like this. I think it has to do with his play. I was very concerned with how poorly Tommy Pham was hitting the ball last year. He had one of the worst WRC pluses, weighted runs created plus, which is a great statistic for any new listeners or new baseball followers judging how a player is um, as a batter, as an offensive player. Uh, if they have 100, pretty average player, that's good. It's solid. It means you're a solid player. Um, and everything below that means you're, say, if you have a 90 or 10% worse than an average batter, right? Decent stat, though. I find it very helpful, for, and it usually is decently predictive, at least in my opinion. Um, Tommy Pham had one of the worst WRC pluses in all of baseball, one of the five worst on w, uh WRC plus in all of baseball with runners in scoring position this year. I did not see that guy get an RBI literally for an entire month at one point. Like I, I literally did not see it. I swear. Maybe it was because, uh, you know, July was like my birthday month or something like that. 
So maybe I just missed it then. And maybe in August, I was just so miserable with how the Padres are playing that I missed it. But that guy loved to hit solo home runs. He loved to never drive a guy in. He loved hitting into ground ground and double plays. It just feels like the fit was never there. So I'm not seeing the Padres resign him. I just don't see it. And I will say this, though. It would not surprise me if he's good somewhere else. It would not be surprising if he does better at another organization that doesn't, you know, you know, have us have that same level of distrust. That I think Padres fans have with their, with their type of organization. So I've had some DMS and I've had some tweets. People um, have sent my way about Nick Castellanos. We should get him right fielder for the Cincinnati Reds. And then you move Myers or you move Grisham, or maybe you put Castellanos in left field. I actually think Nick Castellanos is a little bit overrated. Now I love the man solid player. He's still a good player. Make no mistake about that. But I find that the meme is almost overtaking him as a player. Now, I still think he's good, and I still think he would not. it would not surprise me if the team uh, took him and he did much better and say he's even better than we thought in another place. That wouldn't like surprise me. We've seen this happen a couple times before with guys like Daniel Murphy, guys like you know J.D. Martinez where you, you they were solid players and then nobody believed it was legit and then they go to somewhere else. But in the case of Nick Castellanos, not a good defender, uh, which is a which is bad, obviously. Uh, not a good defender, and one of the problems of the Padres' outfield is defense. They do not have guys that can cover a long ground. Will Myers, good speed on the ball, but he doesn't have good reaction time. He doesn't have good range, so it almost kind of doesn't matter. He's not the best outfielder. Fam was a disaster last year, and Grisham was good, but he wasn't a almost an outfield-carrying caliber uh, player. You know what I mean? This wasn't Avisayo Garcia. This wasn't Jackie Bradley Jr. in his prime. This was certainly no Willie Mays. He was a solid defender, but he did not have that extra gold glove quality that maybe was it because it was a 60 game season that maybe that's why he got the gold glove because it was just a smaller sample size and he did great in that smaller sample size. Maybe. I often find that Trent Grisham struggles with catching the ball. His speed off the charts, off the charts, his, his reaction time off the charts range and covering the ball but he has a lot of things where like the ball will bounce like right here the glove is right here the ball will bounce like right here or to go off the top of the glove or it'll go right here he like misjudges the catch which is very odd i think that could be cleaned up i think he could still get better the guy's still young enough but i will say that that is one thing i have so my thing is this i don't want to have a minus another minus defender uh, and i think this castellanos is that um i i'm okay with you have an average defender a guy who gives you maybe one outs above average, that's a little bit different, but I don't want someone who's a negative. I think that that would be really bad and limit the Padres when it comes to defense, which I know is a little bit hard to judge sometimes when you're watching games, and that's a little bit more difficult to use with stats as well, in my opinion, to judge defense, but I think that they really need to go in a direction of having a solid player that can do at least a decent job batting and a decent job um, defensively. I don't think you need that much because also consider that Will Myers will be off the books next year and then maybe you can get somebody next year and maybe you can get a replacement. Maybe CJ Abrams for some reason is awesome and he can move into the outfield or Robert Hassel, for example. So I think that that's a much better route to go instead of handing out probably what's going to be a decent chunk of change for Nick Castellanos considering his offensive prowess. Um, but even still, I think that it should be brought up that there's another guy um, out there, um, Mark Canna. Mark Canna, he had a 4.3 war this year, and that was only 0.2 points less than Nick Castellanos, and his defense is actually a lot better. Um, and and, that, and that's my thing out of Oakland. So it's I, I looked at that, and I was like, wow, Mark Canna's not going to get the same contract that Nick Castellanos is going to get. Whoever gets Mark Canna might be in for like a real bargain bin type of thing. He's got decent power. Um, he's been consistently good for a very long time, by the way. I actually think he's a guy that the Padres should consider targeting. I really do. I think that Mark Cannon is very solid. I know that he's 
you know, also played first base before. That gives you a little bit of utility. But just look at his numbers. You know, past few seasons, 2021, 231 batting average, 350 on base. Year before that, 246 batting average, 387 on base. Year before that, 273, 396 on base, 249, 328. So the past three seasons, basically, he's been one of the more consistent on base type of power guys. I mean, 17 by 26 the year before. I think it's going to cost nearly as much Marquetta. And he gives you at least a little bit uh, in terms of d- defense, at least a little bit. He's not, he wasn't great this year. You know, minus 1.6 defensive war. So maybe my defensive isn't as good. I think that for what he's going to cost, I would much rather go in the direction of Marquetta. I bet you he's not going to cost. I know that it might be a little bit scary because this might remind people of Tommy Pham, who is another great offensive guy and another guy who was a to get paid that contract like a George Springer type. So the Padres trade for him, and then look what happens. You know what I mean? He wasn't as good. But I know some people would be scared by that. But I think Mark Hanna actually be pretty solid. But another thing to note on Nick Castellanos um, is that one thing that makes he pulls the ball 8% more when he's on the road. 8% more. His pull percentage goes through the roof when he's on the road. So I'm wondering. Wondering, does he know, given the, the Cincinnati Reds field, whatever the heck that place is even called, I'm forgetting, I'm blanking right now. Does he, is he going to produce um, when he's in Petco Park? You know what I mean? Like, I don't really know for sure. So that would, what would make me nervous. So, in, no, man, I don't know if they should be going the route of Castellanos. I just think it's going to cost way too much. Uh, Great American Ballpark is what it's called, apparently. Really? Wow. Your boy goofed. What could I say? It's the Great American Ballpark. So there have been a lot of people who've reached out to me, said Nick Castellanos, and I want to say that is not the direction I would go. Going to cost too much. And if you want a solid outfielder who can maybe give you some decent pop, decent on-base skills, I'd rather go Mark Canna. That's just me because I don't think he's going to cost really all that much. I really don't. And I'd rather pay bargain bin prices considering that the Padres already have a lot of issues. Now, if you get rid of Eric Hosmer, a lot more options open up. If you get rid of Hosmer, I'm a little bit more open to a lot more signings and a lot more risks if you are able to dump Hosmer's contract. Because then, if you have Hosmer and then you give up another contract, that would be Haas, that would be Tatis, that would be Machado, and that would be whatever this new player is, plus a lot for Blake Snell, so you Darvish, guys like that. Will Myers still has a decent amount due this year. I'm just saying you you don't want to push it too far. And I'm not saying that ownership shouldn't push more. They should. It's just money. Like, come on now. Uh, not just money, but you guys get my 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 point that teams should spend more, but that's my thing. I don't want to push ownership that far too quickly. I do think that I want a little, let's just ease up, ease up. But then again, considering that the Pirates just hired Bob Melvin to be their manager, seemingly almost out of nowhere. What do I know? Why are you guys even listening to me? They're going to do something nuts. AJ Peller does not rest. And with that all being said, guys, before we close out today's episode, I just want to tell you one more time, thank you for making Lockdown Pirates your first listen every day. Hashtag first listen every day. And now for my next episode, going to be talking with a bunch of people, actually, I think, um, unless I do another recap thing, unless you guys respond to some of my questions on Twitter, I put it out on the Lockdown Padres page. What players would you want? If any, for the Padres to trade for, I put that over on at LO underscore Padres. You can reply to that. Might do that for tomorrow's show. Or might be talking with Jeff Ellis of Lockdown Indians, soon to be Lockdown Guardians, hopefully on that lawsuit thing that came up. Uh, Going to be talking with him about Ruben Niebla and that, that kind of pitching kind of factory that Cleveland seems to have and talk about Ruben and how much of an asset he could potentially be for the Padres. That should be a lot of fun. And also Taylor Blake Ward, who is a former host of Lockdown Angels. He's writing a book. Um, 
about like a GM type of thing. I am blanking on it right now. Let's see if I can find it. Oh no. Uh, but basically he has some connections to Padre stuff, which I think is really good. Um, for sure. Um, uh, with his, with his buddy Bob, Bob something. Why am I? Not, why do I not have this in front of me right now? I'm so bad at podcasting. Um, let's see here. Oh yeah, Bob Fontaine Jr. The book is called "In Search of Millionaires: The Life of a Baseball Gypsy." Uh, that sounds really good just by the title. And he might be on the podcast to talk about the book. And Bob signs Gwyn and Ozzy with the Padres and has endless stories. So that should be a lot of fun uh, for sure. Not just to hype up my guy's book, but also because it's Padres related. So look for that later in the week, hopefully. I have to see when we can get him on the show. Uh, but otherwise, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. And now let me just say, make your second listen, Locked On MLB, Paul Francis Sullivan. But please, call him slowly. Brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. It's free and available on all platforms and with that all being said that about does it for today's much more political than usual uh locked on padres podcast the only pod that may be better than the padres themselves remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever your podcast from stitcher spotify apple podcast google podcast himalaya wherever be sure to follow myself on twitter which is at avipeno j-a-v-i-i-p-e-n-o or at l or padres Please uh, feel free to respond to that question, and you have a chance to appear on the show as soon as this week. Um, yeah, and with that all being said, that about does it. Why did I repeat my same line? I'm a mess today. Uh, until next time, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful. My prior faithful homies, take care.